0: Coming up on marriage today with Jimmy and Karen. You've got to have a forward vision. And when you've had your heart broken and when you've been disappointed in the past and you enter into a new relationship, many times it's like you're gonna tote the note, you're guilty till you're proven innocent, and you bet you better do better than this last person in this last situation. And all the pressure then is on that spouse and the vision goes backwards. There are things present day one in a blended family that sometimes aren't, now, not all, all these things may pertain to you, but some of them, well, I promise you that. The first is unresolved feelings toward an ex-spouse. That's one of the day one dynamics because when there is a blended family, there had to have been someone that caused a pregnancy and caused a child that went before. It could have been a spouse, it could have been a boyfriend, girlfriend, live-in lover, whoever it was. But, but here, here's the issue. of people who are married or divorced, 10 years later still have feelings toward their ex-spouse, okay, 50%. And this is a a tormenting thing. And and what what we need to understand is, is that a lot, our society trivializes sex, but you realize the Bible says when we have sex with a person, we become one with that individual. You know, in 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul says, don't you understand that every other thing that we do is outside our body when it comes to sex? When you have sex with another person, you become one with that individual. Now, our society trivializes that, but what it means is when you're in a relationship with a person, you're having sex with them on some regular basis, it means there's a joining of souls. And what the devil does is we do bring a part of that person with us into the future. And what he does is as soon as you get into a new relationship and there's any difficulty whatsoever, he'll take you back and idealize that relationship and say, don't you remember all the good things? (laughs) Yeah. I do remember all the good things, but he doesn't want us to remember there was a reason it ended. You know, whether it was my fault or both of our fault or, or the other person's fault, whatever reason it ended. And, and I've got to deal with that in my heart and say this. I thank God for the good, but I'm going to let that go. That was my past. I'm not going to let the devil torment me by constantly bringing up the past because he'll always do it at the most inopportune times to make something bad worse. Here, here's, here's the way the devil does it. When you're in a relationship, he's the accuser of your spouse. And he sits there constantly accusing your spouse to you, telling you how bad they are. You married the wrong person. You should have done this. You should have done this. He always does that. And as soon as you break up, he comes and says, they weren't so bad. You know, they, they're pretty good. They're pretty, a lot better cooked than the one you got now. You know, and he'll just sit there and just torment you with memories from the past. You just got, I'm not going back there. I'm not going to let you come and torment me with those thoughts. I take that captive and I'm focused on the person I'm married to right now. And I thank God for them. And I thank God for this right now. The second thing is I forgive everyone in my past. I forget regardless of what they did or did not do. I am not. See, unforgiveness is an invisible umbilical cord that connects us with our past. It feeds our spirit from the past. It could be something that happened to you when you were five years old and you haven't forgiven, it's still feeding your spirit. It's still feeding your disposition. It could have been a previous marriage. It could have been a business partner that did you in. But when you haven't forgiven, that is feeding. It's an umbilical cord that's feeding your spirit. Unforgiveness reaches down and clips the cord and says, the devil will no longer feed my spirit from my past. I forgive that person and I bless him. So that's the number one day, day one dynamic. Number two is lower trust. And higher expectations. And this, this is a, this is a a difficult combination here. Lower trust is I have less goodwill towards you and more suspicion of your motives and actions. I was innocent once. I was innocent once until I got my heart broken. And I trusted and until I got violated. And in my first marriage or first relationship, They were innocent till proven guilty. You're guilty till you're proven innocent. Because I'm not going to get my heart broke again. Because of the failure of my past, because of what I've been through before, you're going to tote the note. I'm not putting up with as much. You walk in with your jaw set. You remember that movie, Dances with Wolves? Remember the girl that was named Stands with a Fist? A lot of blended families, you walk to the front door and say hi, and they go, hi, I was nice once. And I walked into a dark alley and got rolled and I'm not so nice, so welcome. I expect more of you and I have lower trust of you. You can't do that. You can't do that. And and let let me talk about how to deal with this And again, I'm not trying to be trite with feelings that I know are very intense in your life, but I'm just saying it doesn't work. That's why divorce rates are higher in blended families because these are day one dynamics. And and, you know, in a lot of relationships and a lot of first marriages, it takes a while for things to turn south and it takes a while. In, In blended family relationship, it can exist the first day you meet is these are day one dynamics. So you date to establish trust. You date to establish trust. You you can't have this. I don't trust you. Marriage is trust. When I marry you, what I'm saying is I'm entrusting my life to you. I'm entrusting my future to you. I'm entrusting everything I have, including the most precious thing, my children, to you. Marriage is trust. You cannot marry and mistrust. And the purpose of dating is to establish trust. Uh, If I have a question about your character, we're going to keep dating. If I have a question about your motives, we're gonna keep dating. And we're gonna keep dating until we have established trust and we've worked through issues within our lives. So A, you date to establish trust. B, you have to disassociate from the past. Like I said before, you forgive and you go on. And the next thing is you dream new dreams together. You need to have a vision retreat. You need to sit down and you need to talk about what your plans are for your future, what your desires are. And really you can do this even before you get married, which is ideal. How many children are you going to have? Are you going to have any more children? What are your plans? What are your values? What are your family values? What, what is it that God has given you as a vision? Because I teach an entire session on how to have a vision for your marriage. What, what vision do you have for your relationship? Where there is no vision, you can't keep people together. In other words, let me say this another way. The vision for your marriage can't be not to re-experience the past. You can't live with a retro vision because all it does is just drag you behind the truck. You've got to have a forward vision. And when you've had your heart broken and when you've been disappointed in the past and you enter into a new relationship, many times it's like you're going to tote the note. You're guilty till you're proven innocent. and You, bet, you better do better than this last person in this last situation. And all the pressure then is on that spouse and the vision goes backwards. We have to say, we're going to date to establish trust. I've forgiven my past. I'm not going to put you under that. You're innocent till you're proven guilty, and you don't have to do anything beyond what a normal situation would require. And I'm not going to let the scars of my past become a harsh taskmaster for you in our marriage and put us in an undoable situation. And we're going to dream new dreams together. We're going to, we're going to consult God. We're going to submit to God. My scarred emotions are not going to be the Lord of our marriage. Jesus Christ is going to be the Lord of our marriage and in making him the Lord of our marriage, he's going to heal our past. He's going to heal our hearts. So number three, day one dynamic of blended families is non-biological parenting is again, and this is a very special challenge for blended families. And here, here are the challenges. Number one, the protective instincts of a biological parent keeping their child away from the step-parent. Now, this is one of the leading causes of divorces in blended families. The law of possession, the, there are four laws of marriage in Genesis 2, 24 and 25. For this cause, a man will leave his father and mother. That's the law of priority. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Second law here, it says, and will cleave unto his wife. That's the law of pursuit. You energetically pursue your spouse. That's what cleaving means. And they too shall become one. Not 1.3 or 1.8 but one. And the only way that two things can become one is if you both surrender everything to the relationship. In Luke 14, Jesus said, "You can't be my disciple unless you give up everything you have." Because anything we won't give up is an idol, and it threatens the relationship. Okay, it's telling Jesus, "This is more important to you." So when you come into marriage with children from a previous marriage, the non-biological parent has to share ownership in that child. They they can't be on the outside. And I understand they're not the biological parent and they shouldn't try to replace the biological parent. But they have to be an equal. They have to have ownership of those children. And you say, but you become protective. And you say, well, you don't love them as much as I love them. Well, let, let me talk about this for just a minute. Okay, first of all, a lot of people are very are very emotionally damaged You know, when they've had a previous marriage or previous relationship. Okay, you say, you don't love them as much as I love them. You know, the greatest love on earth is a decision, not an emotion. Jesus said, love your neighbors, you love yourself. That word is the word agape, and that means a love by choice. I can choose to love your children just as much as you do. And what God's love is, doing what Jesus would do, regardless of emotion or circumstances. Let me say another thing. You know something, your emotions actually may be working against you because of what you've been through and the objectivity of the non-biological parent may be the best gift that God's ever given you. And when you take your children away from your spouse, when they should have ownership, and what that means is you're making every decision together. And even though they're a non-biological parent, and they may not have the natural love that you have, I agree with that. They can love your children by choice. That's the greatest level of love and they can speak objectivity in your life. And I've seen a lot of divorces and blended families over this issue right here, where one, one spouse says something like this, well, you may not be my spouse the rest of my life, but my children are gonna be my children the rest of my life. And if it comes down to a choice, I choose my children. Okay, well, I'll talk about that more in just a minute. It's a mistake. You have to share ownership of the children. Now it may be wisdom, for the biological parent to enforce discipline, that might be wisdom, especially in the beginning of the relationship, while the non-biological parent is gaining authority. Well, that that might be, but the non-biological parent has to have full rights to that child. See, in one situation that there was a divorce, the children didn't want the new husband. They were loyal to their biological dad, and they didn't want the mother to get married again and they tormented this guy and he was powerless because the wife wouldn't let him have any authority over the children and he was a good man. He wouldn't have abused those children, but he was just saying, I can't correct them. I can't defend myself. And she said, you better not. And he said, listen, these kids are disrespecting me and they're making my life miserable. And she said, if you're asking me to choose between you and my children, I choose my children. And they divorced. He said, I can't live this way. I'm just, I'm vulnerable. And what I said to her is one, the law of possession. If you didn't trust him with your children, you should have married him in the first place. But marriage is trust. So parent those children together and those children need to see you operating as a team. They need that. Uh, child support. Let me talk about the law of possession for just a minute. This is one of my relatives divorced. Uh, she married into a blended family situation. And when she married into it, he was paying child support to his children, his ex-wife the way he should have. He was a good man. This is this a really good man. And every time they wrote that check, my cousin got madder every month. She couldn't, she just couldn't handle the fact that this money was going to his ex-wife, and she picked up an offense toward his ex-wife, and it just tormented her until ultimately they divorced. Listen, the law of possession says your debts are my debts. Your assets are my assets, your liabilities are my liabilities. And if you've got children from a previous marriage that need to be supported, I fully own that. And I will fully do that with a good attitude, supporting you and your children. But she didn't do that. She would not assume the liability of him making that payment. And what happened was the marriage just tanked. It it just went south. And so we have to understand that in marriage, there is this law of possession. There's one other thing I want to talk about related to children as visitation children coming and children going, and this is one of the most agonizing issues I've ever helped families with. I'm thinking of one family in particular, and the, this was an ex-spouse that was spoiling the children and letting them have all kinds of, of exposure to ungodliness uh, with, with them and their new spouse. Every time the children went, and they knew it, and they, and they were using the children as weapons against them. And every time the children went to their home, they would feed them full of just all kinds of nonsense and let them do anything they wanted to do, let them watch all kinds of movies. And and then they would come back from that environment. And this couple came to me and they said, Jimmy, what do we do? Because legally there wasn't anything they could do. They weren't doing anything illegal. They were just being, they were playing the children off of each other and they were trying to spoil the children so they would be favored. And I said, number one, do not communicate through the children. Don't do that to those kids. You communicate directly with your ex-spouse and their spouse and don't use those children as messengers. Okay, let the adults do the communicating, not the children. Number two, every time those children leave your home, you pray over those kids. And you pray protection over their mind, their heart, their memory, their sexuality, their attitudes. You pray that God will go with them wherever they go and supernaturally protect them. Number three, Number three, do not take for granted every day you have with that child and don't you play that game. You be righteous. You have standards. You love those children. You take those children to church. Regardless of what they don't be legalistic. Be fun and be, be fair, but you expose those children and do not underestimate the power of God to impact those children's hearts because righteousness is more powerful than sin. And they may be going into a home of your ex-spouse or someone and they're being exposed to all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you something. The Spirit of God is more powerful than the Spirit of the Devil. And don't let fear and discouragement get over you. You communicate to the adults, you pray over your children coming and going, and you don't lower your standards because somebody else has. They'll lose that fight. They'll lose that fight, I promise you. And when those children get old, the Bible says when you train up a child the way that they should go, when they get old, they won't depart from it. When those children mature, they'll bless you for your righteousness and they'll look at this other person who is doing that and they'll say, grow up. I love you, mom. I love you, dad. But why did you do that when I was growing up? Why did you say those bad things about mom and dad? Why did you do those things? Why did you let me get involved in those things? You were supposed to be the adult. And they'll turn back to you, and I promise they'll thank you for what you did. You need to be fair. Don't be legalistic. But you just have faith in the power of God. Those are the things that torment people a lot of times. Those are the day one issues. But let me talk for just a minute about the mother of all blended family issues. This is, this is the big one, and it's the issue of priority. In, in first marriages or, you know, first relationships, there's, Marriage, then there's children, but in a blended family, there's children and there's marriage. Okay, and the priority of the relationship can get off to a bad start from day one. The children become first. Let me me talk to you about this. Marriage is the nucleus of a family, not children. Children are temporary assignment. And how are they gonna succeed in marriage unless they see you succeeding in marriage? And the law of marriage, the first law of marriage is, for this cause a man will leave his father and mother. That means marriage has to be first. It doesn't work in any other place. It won't work a second. It can't be behind your children. Your children are not as important as your marriage. They're not. Because your children are going to go someday. When they're 18, 19, 38, they're going to leave someday. Thank God. And when they leave, they don't want you following them around. I'm just telling you, I have kids. They're grown. My kids are in their 30s. They have kids. I have grandkids. And I'm just telling you, we are very close. They don't want you in their business. They don't want... And what's going to happen to your life when they leave? Will you have given up your marriage for your children and have nothing left? You you put your marriage first. You put your, you're not saying, you're not doing anything bad for your children. You're doing everything good for your children. Your children feel more secure when you're happy, and they see you happy. Marriage number two. When they see you happily married, you're giving them a vision for their future. Even if there's been problems in the past, they can see a vision of hope for their future. Number three, when they leave, you have a stable life and you won't follow them around because you're emotionally needed. Well, I hope this program today has blessed you. You know, blended families, half of all families are blended families. So I mean, this is just a huge issue. And so, you know, in blended families over the years, this, this is something that, that we've noticed. And that is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of blended families kind of feel like that they're second-class citizens. That somehow there's you know there's something wrong with you because you have a blended family. Absolutely not. You know you God loves you as much as He loves anyone, and you can thrive in your marriage. In fact, you can have some special blessings because of your blended family. But here here's the issue. Really, really the the most important issue as it relates to having a blended family, and that is the marriage has to come first. And this is the challenge. <clears throat> well, I had a couple in counseling. You know, the one I was talking about in the teaching there. Where she was so conflicted because her children had been hurt by her divorce from her husband. Her children were actually adversarial toward her new husband. And when her husband began to complain, she was more loyal to the children than she was to her husband. See, a family builds around a marriage. The marriage has to come first. It has to come first. The first law of marriage is for this reason: a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. In other words. Marriage has to be more important than even your blood relatives. You know, e- even your mother and father, it has to be the most important thing above children. See, if you have an intact nuclear family and you're not a blended family, the marriage has to come first. Well, that doesn't change just because you're in a blended family. And let me say this, it, your children need to see you succeed in marriage. See, as as parents, success is more caught than taught. In other words, what we what we live is more important than what we say. We're living our lives in front of our children, giving them an example. And regardless of what we say, it's our example that's the most powerful thing. And so I want to raise children that are going to grow up and succeed in marriage. Okay, that's the most important thing. Except for Jesus and your children knowing Jesus, the most important thing in their lives is going to be their ability to leave home and to have a successful marriage and family. How are our children going to succeed if we don't show them how? That doesn't mean we have to be perfect. It just means... We're going to model a marriage for you. That's the way you should be married. Well, if marriage is going to work, it has to be first. Doesn't mean we don't love our kids. Doesn't we? We don't give them quality time. But here's what it does mean: We make decisions together. In other words, our children can't divide us. In in, in, in an intact family, they'll try to divide you. But in a blended family, it gets even worse because there's the non- biological and non-biological children. It doesn't matter. They're all our children. It doesn't matter. We make all of our decisions together. And you know, children are a temporary assignment related to raising them. And see, marriage is for the rest of your life. And so your children may be in the home for 18 or 19 years or something like that. They leave, but you still have a marriage. And it's short-sighted to put your children in front of your marriage. It not only doesn't serve your children well, because how are they gonna succeed in marriage if you don't show them how? But also what's gonna happen to you when your children leave? What kind of a marriage are you going to be left with? I'm saying, make up your mind. If you're in a blended family, our marriage is first in practical terms. Doesn't mean we don't love our kids. But I'm not going to let my children divide me from my marriage. And even though this may not be your biological child, we're going to make all of our decisions together in this marriage. It makes all the difference in the world. And I hope this program today has been a blessing to you. Watch this.